0: on dash cam.
1: The van just blew through the intersection on fire.
0: The midday shooting that started this fiery chain of events. Mother Nature lashes out. Widespread damage and a rude awakening for an island couple. 5.30
2: this morning I was in the bathroom doing my business and the ground shook.
0: And 11 more deaths as COVID breaks another daily case record. Will new travel restrictions be next?
3: When we're fighting COVID, I think we have to look at every option. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
0: Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We begin with breaking news out of Langley, where there has been a brazen daylight shooting and the suspects caught on video jumping out of a burning van. Our Nadia Stewart is live in Langley with the details of how all this drama unfolded. Nadia.
4: Yeah, that's right, Sophie. It all happened at around 2 o'clock this afternoon. Someone reported hearing gunshots here in the parking lot of the Sandman Suites Hotel here in North Langley. Now, we're told that there are two victims, a man and a woman. But when police arrived, they found a man who was suffering from gunshot wounds. Uh, non-life-threatening, we're told. He is now in hospital. Now, when the shooting happened, witnesses reported seeing a gold-colored van take off from the scene. That van has been found, and we have viewer video showing this van on fire as the occupants tried to dump it somewhere. Now, they jumped out of the van as it is burning. It hits another vehicle after going through some bushes, and that's how it comes to a stop. A witness tells us what happened as he watched it all unfold.
5: I was stopped at the stoplight and uh, all of a sudden from the right-hand side, I see a van out of the corner of my eye and it in flames. And then the next thing I see is these two dudes roll out of it as it's on fire and take off running. The van ended up all the way down the parking lot rolling while it's on fire and it took, took out a couple of cars in the parking lot in the middle of a business day. So it was wild.
0: Wild for sure. All right, Nadia, we know there are two suspects. Is anyone in custody at this point?
4: Well, police do have one man in custody. At this point, though, they are calling him a person of interest. We're told that officers and a canine unit are also out looking for that second individual you heard the witness talk about. So police are asking for anyone who might have been in the area at the time, who might have some dash cam footage, to get in contact with them. Back to you, Sophie.
0: All right. Thanks for that, Nadia Stewart, in Langley tonight. Now to another concerning day of COVID-19 numbers in B.C., including record new cases and hospitalizations. And we have tied our highest number of deaths in 24 hours. We now have 717 new cases, bringing our provincial total to 23,661. Sadly, 11 more people have died from complications of the virus, which means we have now lost 310 people. 198 are in hospital, 63 in the ICU, 16,469 people are considered recovered, and we are left with 6,589 active cases and 10,960 people in isolation. Now as those numbers continue to climb so too does concern about what's happening in classrooms. The BC Teachers Federation is sounding the alarm about substitute teachers teaching at several different schools when the schools themselves are trying to keep cohorts limited. Richard Zussman reports.
6: From school to school to school for teachers on call the stress of work is building.
7: At the beginning of the school year I was feeling a lot more comfortable. Um, traveling around the biggest school district in the province. But as cases are increasing exponentially and we're getting more and more exposures, it's definitely become a lot more worrisome.
6: Kelly McDoson has been to 17 different schools in Surrey since the start of the school year. And there is concern the Swiss cheese model of layers of protection from masks to barriers to distancing is not being followed in schools.
7: When you apply that model to the school system or the classroom, you find that there's not even the one layer of protection consistently of mask wearing. Teachers on
6: call across the province are mostly navigating the system solo. McDowson says she's never been told before entering a school if there's been an exposure event.
7: I've I've never had anybody ask me how I'm feeling or do any type of health check at any of the schools I've been to.
6: The province has not provided details on whether teachers on call or anyone else in the school that visits more than one cohort has spread the virus. The BC Teachers Union says more is needed to address a long-standing teacher shortage.
7: We can um, put out a request that people with teaching certificates um, contact the teacher certification branch and, and have them renewed and come back to teaching.
6: Any adult who is not in a cohort, including TOCs, must physically distance and wear masks when in the classroom. But many students are not wearing masks in those situations.
8: There is a distinction for TOCs, what additional measures they have to take, because they're not part of a cohort, not permanently part of a cohort. Uh, So they have to do things differently uh, while they're um, carrying out their instructional hours.
6: But for McDostand and others, with every new classroom, every new interaction brings another layer of risk, both for herself and her students. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
0: Well, British Columbians are being asked to travel only for essential purposes while cases continue to rise. But one health authority is suggesting something even stronger. As Kylie Stanton reports, the chief medical health officer on Vancouver Island is floating the idea of a 14-day self-isolation for anyone arriving on the island.
7: Nine months into this pandemic and Vancouver Islanders are still doing their part. kind of kept to ourselves for, and we wear our masks. Feeling pretty confident. The island rates have been pretty low so far. On Tuesday, the Island Health Authority added another 16 cases, bringing the total number to 114 active, 397 since the pandemic began. That's less than 2% of all cases in B.C. Still, they've been on the rise since early this month. And that has the island's chief medical health officer floating the idea of a two-week quarantine for travellers.
3: Have raised this issue about looking at what the Maritimes have been able to accomplish by um, creating a, a, you know, I wouldn't say an impediment to travel, but one where people who do choose to come um, are expected to spend a 14 day isolation period.
7: The tactic is working in the Maritimes. Case counts there remain the lowest in the country. But whether it would translate here in BC, well, that's up for debate. Some for
9: it. Well, I think it's a good
7: idea.
3: Maybe it's for the
7: best. we got to do whatever is necessary. Others against. We
9: don't need to quarantine, no, not at all.
5: Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have
2: come had no. we had to do that.
7: For the tourism industry that's already been hit hard by this pandemic, this would be yet another blow. Still, the provincial health officer is recommending British Columbians stay put. I strongly encourage people to limit your travel. Even tourist hotspots like Tofino and Ucluelet are asking visitors to stay away.
10: We just really want Vancouver Island to be protected.
7: The island's top doctor is building on this, pushing for that Vancouver Island bubble to be considered. Ultimately, the decision lies with the provincial health officer.
3: When we're fighting COVID, I think we have to look at every option, and that was one of them. Kylie
7: Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
0: All right. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria. Keith, it's not just the island talking about travel restrictions. There is some buzz now about whether we could see new rules affecting travel from province to province.
5: Yeah, certainly picking up some chatter within the government about uh, revisiting this debate that was there at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, Do you bar uh, people from going from one province to the other? It's now taken on more of an urgency because not only is COVID surging in B.C., it's doing it right across the country with the exception of the Maritimes. Take a look at at today's case numbers in four key provinces. Ontario, with uh, more than 1,400 cases, 25 people died there. Quebec, 1,200 cases and 10 people died there. Alberta is really out of control now, 860 and 20 deaths. And Manitoba now is almost in a complete lockdown, 392 cases and 10 deaths. One of the issues here, Sophie, and I've talked to Adrian Dix about this, there's a major concern that Ontario and and Alberta have stopped contact tracing because the number of cases have overwhelmed their contact tracing system. So the data coming out of there is not uh, that accurate. We're continuing to contact trace, but the fear is people uh, traveling from places where COVID is surging, they may have the virus, and because they haven't been contact traced, no one knows that, and they come into BC. And there's a lot of Albertans who come a lot of British Columbians who live here and work in Alberta. So it's going to be interesting whether this is revisited, uh, perhaps, in the Premier's call with the Prime Minister in the coming weeks. As I don't think only BC would be looking at this. I think the other provinces are likely interested in travel bans as well. Because it's working in the Maritimes. Their bubble is working. They don't have mm-hmm. a lot of COVID there.
0: Uh, I'm sure uh, Premier Horgan will be asked about this. He has an availability oh, yeah. tomorrow. So we'll, uh, we'll see what he says about it then. Thanks, Keith. Canada-wide, the second wave of infections, as Keith mentioned, is hitting hard. Coast to coast, case counts and hospitalization numbers keep climbing. And the situation is leading to new lockdowns, enhanced mask mandates, even the use of private security guards to crack down on COVID rule breakers. Sarah
11: McDonald reports. The COVID-19 outlook nationwide just keeps getting worse, with no province or territory immune to the virus. Atlantic Canada and Nunavut now dealing with climbing cases. Provinces all
12: obviously want the same thing, to save as many lives as possible, to prevent our health systems from getting overwhelmed.
4: Some provinces
11: are already teetering on the brink of that.
4: The projections are not looking good. Like if we had a worst case scenario, it feels like this would be it with a test
11: positivity rate nearing 14%. Manitoba has the most active cases per capita in the country, with more than 40 deaths due to COVID-19 in the past four days alone, and 30 patients under 50 now hospitalized.
8: We have to do more to deter oddball behavior unacceptable behavior that endangers us and endangers one another.
11: Provincial officials there are now turning to private security firms to crack down on those breaking the rules.
8: This is irresponsible.
1: right? We, we can't accept this.
11: As active cases surge, Alberta marked its deadliest day since the start of the pandemic on Monday, recording 20 deaths within 24 hours. We have entered an
4: exponential growth period and that is, of course, deeply concerning.
13: A
12: lot of the the, um, anxiety and frustration right now comes from the fact that you're seeing around the country these temporary closures that continue to be extended.
11: And Ontario now considering extending winter break for students to curb the spread.
1: I'm seriously looking at solutions uh, that may include Um,
8: some period uh, out of class.
11: With more than 305,000 Canadians already contracting COVID-19, the country's top doctor warns cases will climb and that figure could double by the end of the year. Right now, every
7: effort you make matters. As much as you can, limit errands and outings just the essentials.
11: With more than 11,000 deaths nationwide, that message is urgent. The status quo clearly no longer sufficient. Sarah McDonald, Global News.
0: A huge outbreak at a Fraser Valley care home has affected half of its residents. Tabor Home in Abbotsford has a total of 100 people. Who tested positive, 62 residents and 38 staff members. The outbreak was first reported on Friday. Officials are quoted as saying staffing levels are being maintained at the facility, but some families are wondering how that's possible with so many positive tests. Residents are being temporarily isolated in their units and movement around the facility is restricted. A Saanich homeowner has been fined $2,300 after hosting. Two pandemic poker parties. Police found 10 guests playing cards in the garage of a Broadmead home when they busted the second party this past Saturday. Police upped the ante this time after the same home had been warned following another poker game in late October.
14: Uh, this is only the second ticket of its kind that we've written here. The other one was um, over the Halloween weekend when we issued up to a party of 30. So this is a rare circumstance. Uh, one, and we don't lean towards issuing tickets, certainly we want to encourage uh, compliance, but the fact that we had been there before made the message quite clear and the fact that there was uh, complete disregard this time uh, and the individuals at the poker taper were not wearing masks, were not distancing themselves, so uh, I think that uh, the actions of our officers were warranted.
0: The pandemic and the worsening weather are combining for a perfect storm, hitting Vancouver's homeless population hard. Social distancing measures have drastically reduced the number of temporary shelter beds. And now a new shelter plan is meeting with strong resistance from neighbors. How the West Side location is going over with the locals in just over a minute. A man jumps into action to rescue a drowning student in China, the surprising hero later on the news hour. Plus, why Christmas is coming early for some people this year, at least in spirit, that's coming up. Right now, though, a neighborhood group on the west side of Vancouver is not happy about the city's latest plan to house the homeless. The Point Grey residents say a proposal to turn the Jericho Hostel into an emergency shelter is the wrong choice for a number of reasons. Aaron MacArthur reports.
1: Once the former home to soldiers and now backpackers, this building might soon welcome a different group of people. Vancouver City Council has asked staff to look at turning the Jericho Youth Hostel into emergency housing to help address the homelessness crisis.
9: We need housing solutions that are quick as well as housing solutions that are stable for the long term. Uh, And the Jericho Hostel is one place where we can look at moving people in quickly.
1: The proposal isn't sitting well with some in the community. The West Point Grey Neighbourhood Association lists a host of reasons why a shelter wouldn't work here. Some people agree, suggesting this isn't a suitable location. There's no resources for anyone down here. There's no shopping. There's no
13: uh, medical. There's no, I mean, everything's a distant bus ride.
2: And what are you going to do? You're going to leave them all downtown on that Hastings Street every time I go by there? I just shake my head.
1: West Point Gray already has a sizable homeless population. RVs parked nose to tail along Fourth Avenue. And City Council has been clear about the goals of its housing strategy. There aren't any neighbourhoods that get a pass because of their postal code. Homelessness is a citywide problem and needs a citywide solution.
15: If it goes ahead, which hasn't been decided yet, it would have to be people
1: who are secure not being close to downtown Eastside services. A timeline on the next steps or a vote from City Council has yet to be determined. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
0: Well, this time of year, many of Metro Vancouver's homeless turned to shelters for a warm, dry and safe place to stay. But now the pandemic and the need to maintain social distance is making it even harder for those services to help all those in need. Grace Key reports.
10: More homeless people could be out in the cold. Vancouver's Union Gospel Mission normally offers 20 beds during stormy nights on top of their nightly 72 beds. With social distancing, there's no space for extra beds. It's a similar story all across the city.
5: In the past, we might have several hundred spots or at least more than 200 plus spots open on a given night. And so far this fall, there's many cases where we only have several dozen. In addition
10: to permanent and temporary beds, this time last year during extreme weather, Vancouver had 160 extra beds available. This year,
4: 72. It's very dire in the city of Surrey and if we don't get a handle on this, I can tell you people will die.
10: Surrey City Councillor Brenda Locke says last year they had about 180 extreme weather beds available. This year, 25.
4: Some of the sites that used to be COVID have shut down because of COVID and uh, some of them are now permanent uh, shelter spaces.
10: Other cities are struggling with similar shortages. BC Housing funds the Extreme Weather Response Program. A statement reads, we are working with our partners to see what other shelter or temporary housing options might be available. This includes leasing sites that can also support the needs of a winter shelter and still provide space for those needing
4: to self-isolate. Call me. (laughs) If you We've got space available um, and we'll take a look at it.
5: We want to let people know that they can contact us and we'll do our best to connect them to people who can help them set up that space or to give them some some help in in determining how they can do it safely during COVID-19.
10: Grace Key, Global News.
0: A tree comes crashing down into a BC couple's bedroom.
2: I figure it landed right between the two of them.
0: The neighbour who came to their rescue just ahead. And later the COVID situation spiraling out of control in the U.S.
16: Some extra traffic here in West Vancouver, eastbound on Marine Drive at Taylor Way. You're only getting by in a single lane. It's causing a delay towards the Lionsgate Bridge. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $35 million. Lotto Max dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a police incident in West Vancouver.
0: Cleanup efforts are still underway across the Lower Mainland and Vancouver Island after strong winds ripped through the region. Power was knocked out to tens of thousands of customers and toppled trees caused property damage, even sending one couple in Port Alberni to hospital early this morning. Ted Chernecki reports.
3: A king tide and a royal winter's wind. Storm watching, usually relegated to the west coast of Vancouver Island, was in full view right here in the Lower Mainland.
1: We've seen bigger surf than this, but it's always exhilarating and and exciting.
15: Okay, I'm taking a video for the family back in Saskatchewan to show them what a winter storm
17: is like.
3: Canada's longest pier still is. It was almost two years ago when a similar storm took out the white rock landmark. It's withstanding today's onslaught, but there are trees down all over. In Anmore, it was probably luck that kept anyone from getting hurt at about a quarter past 11 this morning on a busy roadway.
13: So it's a bit of a miracle, I'd say, nobody was hit. Yeah, middle of the day, people travel this road a lot, so it's very lucky that nobody was involved with this.
3: Big trees and overhead power lines, never good in a windstorm, and predictably, there are widespread power outages.
9: Well, we're hoping to have everyone restored by tonight. Uh, But of course, this storm did a lot of damage. Uh, So we may see some customers out overnight, but again, we're hoping that's not going to be the case.
3: Winds were especially strong on Vancouver Island. In Port Alberni, a woman had to be airlifted to the hospital after a tree crashed into her trailer bedroom. That tree came down and it stopped at the floor joist. So it came
2: straight down and it landed right between the... I figure it landed right between the two of them.
3: BC Ferries had cancelled many runs earlier today, but as the winds subside tonight, service is resuming. The storm system was so intense some viewers reported seeing thunder snow. Yes, oh my God, and I got it too. Where there was thunder and lightning as it snowed north of Nanaimo. Ted Cherniak, Global News.
0: Well, after more than two years of planning, the Central Okanagan Regional Transportation Plan has been released. It's aimed at connecting local, smaller transit systems together to create a larger network, making transit flow better for everyone. Global's Darian Matassa-Fung has more.
8: The idea is to to get a sense of where we want to go in terms of sustainable transportation. After two years of research, public consultation and municipal collaboration, the Central Okanagan's first region-wide transportation plan has been released. The goal of the plan is to start thinking more as a region. Traditionally, as we grow, regional transportation becomes more of a, a reality. Rafael Villarreal, the City of Kelowna's integrated transportation manager, says the plan connects all of the Central Okanagan municipal transportation plans together toward creating a seamless system. The plan was made in consultation with the Regional District of Central Okanagan, the City of Kelowna, West Kelowna, Lake Country, Peachland and the West Bank First Nation. One of the key features of the transit plan is creating a fast and reliable transit spine here along the Highway 97 corridor. The proposed new bus line will effectively remove the outside HOV lanes and will make the most inner lanes of the highway bus lanes. The key idea there is improving the people moving capacity. The other key features of the plan include 81 new kilometers of roadway bicycle paths and trails, improving heavily congested areas such as the William Bennett Bridge, and investing in transportation improvements around UBC Okanagan and the Kelowna International Airport. At this point, the plan is still being unveiled to all the municipalities' councils, and in the new year, a new technical committee will be created to oversee the region-wide plan be implemented. Darian Matassa, Global News, Kelowna.
0: Just ahead, in the middle of our second COVID wave, the one thing we don't need.
13: It's enough to manage one pandemic or one epidemic. We don't need two of them.
0: Cautious optimism on the influenza front and why getting a flu shot is still important. Plus, the Hollywood actor in a Vancouver hospital sick with COVID-19.
6: Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times.
16: Traffic is steady in both directions over here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Keep in mind, though, overnight maintenance causes lane closures between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. For 47 years, Kermac Collision and Auto Glass has provided unmatched superior customer service and satisfaction. With 18 Lower Mainland locations, there's a Kermak in your neighborhood. Visit kermac.com. I'm Trish, you're in Global 1 at the Alex Fraser Bridge. <laughs>
0: A British diplomat is being hailed a hero for rescuing a drowning student in China. Onlookers captured video of UK Consul General Stephen Ellison as he leapt into the water where the woman is seen floating face down. The 24-year-old woman had slipped off the rocks moments before. While she was shaken by the experience, she is reportedly doing fine now. An announcement today by Donald Trump that he will pull large numbers of U.S. troops from Afghanistan and Iraq is rattling even some of his most loyal supporters. That, along with the coronavirus pandemic, will pose yet another challenge for the Joe Biden administration, still getting no
9: help from Trump in the transition process. Still being denied access to the top level intelligence briefings incoming administrations normally receive. President-elect Biden meeting today with diplomatic intelligence and defense experts from outside the government.
12: You want a peaceful transfer of power and you want the new team to succeed. We don't have any of that right now.
9: The Biden team will face critical day one challenges on multiple fronts, including the war on COVID.
12: Every day
14: counts and every step counts.
9: Leaders of some of the nation's top medical associations today joining in a letter urging President Trump to share COVID-19 data with the incoming administration. As a growing number of President Trump's legal challenges fizzle out in the courts, top allies insist the remaining cases should be allowed to play out.
12: If President Trump's claims are rejected by the court, the election will be over.
9: Despite the delays, the president-elect is moving forward, naming more members of his senior staff, many of them women, reflecting promises of diversity. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News.
0: It's been another day of almost unbelievable new COVID case numbers and deaths across the U.S. This was the scene in Wisconsin where people have lined up in their cars for hours for a COVID test. All 50 states are now seeing a double-digit rise in infections, while more than two dozen states are putting new mask mandates and social uh, social restrictions in place. The country is now seeing more than 170,000 new cases every day, and the national death toll is fast approaching a quarter million people.
15: We
12: see more and more cases, more and more people in the hospital, uh, and we've got we've got to turn turn this thing around. Um, we literally have to build uh, uh, a bridge to get from here to the point when we're going to have the immunity uh, from the vaccine. So we got to get we got to get over this. We got to get over this bad bad spot.
0: The situation is so dire, one health official has said that if people gather with family and friends for Thanksgiving, they should plan for funerals by Christmas. A veteran Hollywood actor is in a Vancouver hospital after contracting COVID 19. Richard Schiff, who plays Dr. Aaron Glassman in the Vancouver shot series, The Good Doctor, says he's being treated with the antiviral drug Remdesivir, along with oxygen and steroids. Schiff says he tested positive November 3rd and is showing improvements every day. His wife, Sheila Kelly, who also stars on the show, and son Gus have also tested positive, but they are not in hospital and have quarantined in their Vancouver home. Well, with all the bad news about COVID-19, health officials are cautiously optimistic that this year's flu season will be a different story. But as Linda Ellsworth reports, they're still saying it might be more important than ever to get a flu shot.
15: While the race to get an effective COVID-19 vaccine out to the public pushes on, we at least have the ability to stave off yet another viral outbreak, the seasonal flu.
13: It is uh, critical to get influenza vaccine this year more than ever because we want to prevent a twindemic.
15: Twindemic is what you get when a severe flu season meets a surge in COVID-19 cases, an event that could take many more lives and further stress our health care system. And we
13: don't know exactly what is the outcome for patients like this. Does it increase their risk having both vi- viruses at the same time?
15: And we don't want to find out. Fortunately, this year's flu season seems to be off to a slow start. The number of Canadians who tested positive for influenza during the first week of November last year was 711. During the same week this year, only 17 have tested positive. But Dr. Goldman warns against developing a false sense of security.
13: We have to stay vigilant and do all those measures that we heard about and learned about and not be uh, lax on protecting ourselves.
15: Protecting ourselves with masks, hand-washing and social distancing could be one reason fewer cases of influenza have been reported so far. But those measures do not replace vaccines, which is why the findings of a recent study are so heartening.
13: What we found is that a 30% increase between parents that gave the vaccine to their children last year and the plan this year,
15: While he did not study how many adults plan to get a flu shot, his anecdotal findings are promising.
13: I know that people are going to areas where they can get a vaccine, and I'm very encouraged to see so many people more this year interested in getting the vaccine against flu.
0: Linda Aylesworth, Global News. A new critical care unit is closer to becoming a reality at Royal Jubilee Hospital in Victoria. It's all thanks to a more than $2.6 million donation from C-SPAN Victoria Shipyards and the Dennis and Phyllis Washington Foundation. The money will be put toward a permanent high-acuity unit to increase its critical care capacity by 73%.
17: The minute we can finish this campaign, the quicker it is to have a purpose-built, high-acuity unit in our hospitals. So I would love to see this campaign close within the next few months, but we won't stop our work until it's over.
0: The Victoria Hospitals Foundation first launched its campaign in April. This most recent donation means it is just $2.4 million away from reaching its $7 million goal. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas.
12: We have a lot more people calling this year because of COVID.
0: Still to come tonight, how the pandemic is prompting an early start to the festive spirits. Plus, the BC basketball coach living the dream in Taiwan, how they're managing to put fans in the stands despite COVID-19.
5: You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
0: After a 27 hour journey, the four Crew Dragon astronauts aboard the SpaceX Resilience Capsule have arrived at the International Space Station. Once the capsule docked, a crew member inside the space station opened a hatch to welcome their new residents. This is the second astronaut mission for SpaceX, but it's the first time Elon Musk's company delivered a crew for a full half year station stay all right let's check in with senior meteorologist christy gordon for a look at our weather forecast after what was a very uh blustery day for lots of folks up and down the coast christy
17: Yes, these are incredible wind gusts that in particular Vancouver Island experience. We still have thousands of people without power. Have a look at some of these numbers. Off the northwest corner of Vancouver Island, that was the peak gust at 150 kilometers an hour, but Comox reported 102 kilometer an hour winds, uh, Estevan Point, 106, Herbert Island, 115. And then in our region, uh, uh, just 61 was reported in many regions, but we had unofficial reports of certainly gusts stronger than that. Uh, everything is di- died down. If you're worried about any more power outages, that is not expected. Wind warnings have ended. But this was the scene looking out from Denman Island. Brenda, thank you for sharing that. And look at this from Langley. Brenda also, another Brenda, sharing this one. Remember, if you were to ever see a scene like this, you need to call 911 and stay well back from it because this certainly could be a live wire. And then we had localized flooding as well. Thanks to Greg for that one. And a little bit of humor, of course. Uh, Paul says, well, this is our uh, one and only rain gauge here in James Bay. Thanks, Paul, for sharing that with us. All right, so we still have one wind warning left. That's for the north coast coastal regions. Outflow winds gusting up to 100 kilometers an hour just this evening. It will die down overnight but we are expecting widespread snow and blowing snow in through the terrace region overnight it is going to ease off through the morning hours for you and shift further north not a lot of precipitation here number of showers still expected but overall uh, the main event is over for us though we're expecting periods of rain overnight and through much of a day tomorrow but it will be on and off and late tomorrow it eases off to just a chance of showers the two best days this week will be thursday friday with just a a 40% chance of showers, so compared to what we dealt with today and yesterday, that looks pretty nice, and so does this look pretty nice. Ashley Dirk sent us this from Kelowna. This was the sunset this evening. You'd never know that there was such a damaging windstorm from that photo. Mm.
0: That's beautiful. A wine glass I as don't. a rain gauge is is an interesting because he just, I don't know, maybe was just going straight from the bottle. <laughs> Exactly. Or maybe it was just left out there. Forgotten from a patio summer for sure. All right. Hello, Squire. Hello.
12: One of these days does allow you to use the word blustery. You don't get to use that very often. Oh, you're right. Winnie the Pooh had a blustery day.
0: He did. And now we've Mm -hmm. had one. And now we have. That's right. We have no honey, though, to (laughs) cheer us up.
12: I think there's some in the cafeteria. Uh, Okay, so we're going to talk. The Raptors are still wondering where they're going to play their games this season. Their home games, that is. Uh, They'd like to play in Toronto, but remember what happened to the Blue Jays. They couldn't play in their hometown. We'll talk about that. uh, The Seahawks facing Kyler Murray, who's becoming more and more of a legend in the NFL. All of that is coming up.
0: All right. Also coming up tonight, fighting the pandemic blues with some early Christmas cheer. Raptors looking for a home,
4: nowhere to
0: play. <laughs> well, they
12: could play here if they wanted, but unfortunately, well, actually, no. It's well, fortunately <laughs> we are in Canada, so they can't. That's the problem. Uh, the NBA off season is uh, shorter than it's ever been before. The regular season will start December 22nd. That means training camps have to begin on December 1st, and that also means a lot of things are jammed together, like the draft tomorrow or Minnesota at least right now, has first overall pick. The Raptors' first-round pick is 29th. The trade window is opening, free agency. The Raptors also have to navigate, as we just said, where they will call home. Just like the Toronto Blue Jays, it's likely they won't be able to play home games in Toronto with all the border restrictions, at least not at the start of the season. Maybe later on in the season, things might clear up. They are right now, though, still trying to convince the government to allow them to start the season in Toronto. If not, some possibilities are they would play in Tampa Bay or Fort Lauderdale, Florida, or maybe Nashville, Tennessee. Another priority that Toronto has is re-signing free agent Fred Van Vliet. Now, he has made no secret of the fact he wants to cash in on his success with the Raptors, which, of course, includes a championship. And he was a key part of that championship team and is a key part of the Raptors. Uh, they can start negotiating with Fred on Friday. He made $9.3 million, I believe, last season. He'd like to double that, at least double it with a new contract. Maybe more than double it. But we said yesterday how three losses in the last four games and ten turnovers in those three losses have brought Russell Wilson's chances of winning the NFL's MVP award down. He could revive himself, of course, and still win it. But right now, I would have to say he'd probably be behind Arizona quarterback Kyler Murray in the voting. Murray and Arizona are in Seattle for a game on Thursday, and the Seahawks' defense knows if you can't stop Kyler, you likely can't win. Since the last time the Seahawks faced Kyler Murray, which was only three weeks ago, the Cardinals quarterback's legend has grown. (laughs) Shotgun.
16: Murray, out of the pocket, seven seconds,
1: six seconds, Murray
6: heaves it downfield, it is, oh, it's caught, it is
1: caught, De'Andre Hopkins, it's Murray magic.
12: And the magic from Murray is making him even more comfortable with his skills.
8: Honestly, I think it's the confidence, I think when he first got into the league and you watched him on the film, um, when he was making the runs, he was just kind of running out of bounds. He was just, you know, who can catch him to, to be out of bounds. And then, you know, I think as the season went on, he got a little bit more confidence. And I think you're seeing that um, even more now, growing more confident in his running ability and, you know, his ability to try to make people miss. And, and I think that's the, the main difference. It's more his mentality than anything else.
12: The man who coached the uh, Fraser Valley Bandits basketball team hasn't had a very restful offseason. He had another job to go to. It also involves coaching a basketball team, but this one is in Taiwan, and it is there where Kyle Julius has got a first-hand look at a country that has done better than most at battling COVID-19. We fight! Big
1: fight! We ain't fight like this yet! Big fight! Fight
8: on three! One, two,
14: three. Kyle Julius' first season coaching the Fraser Valley Bandits was a slam dunk. He took a team that finished dead last the year before to the Canadian Elite Basketball League Championship Final.
2: It was really special for me because most of the team, 90% of the team, I had coached before previously. So I got a, you know, I got another chance with these guys, and I think we did a good job as an organization and our players just really laid it all out there, and they made me really proud. You know, um, it was probably one of my better basketball experiences, to be
1: honest. And uh, that is a beautiful trophy.
14: Like every coach and player, Julius is all about chasing and winning championships. Now, in his seventh season as a bench boss, every team Kyle has coached has made the playoffs. But how many coaches can say that for two different organizations on two separate sides of the world? Julius is currently in Taiwan, where he's the head coach of the Formosa Dreamers of the ASEAN Professional Basketball League.
2: Things are good in Taiwan. Uh, It's really nice here. You know, COVID essentially doesn't exist in Taiwan. Taiwan, a country with a population
14: pushing towards 24 million people, had its last locally transmitted COVID-19 case way back in April. It has since gone over 200 days without another one. Over there, life, including sports, carries on.
2: We've played four preseason games so far, and we haven't played a game in front of less than 6,500 people. I think one game was around 8,500. 8, and then you know they all wear masks and they get their temperature checked on the way into the gym. Uh, but yeah, I went from you know uh, empty, you know an empty arena um, in Niagara to you know a packed house right away here.
14: Living and coaching in a COVID-free environment isn't lost on Julius either.
2: I told our guys the other day we had a bad practice. I had to stop the thing and tell them, you know, hey man, we're playing basketball. You know how many guys around the world would absolutely kill to have what we have right now. My heart goes out to everybody back home, and it does really frustrate me that there's people that still don't wear masks, Jay, and 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 you know and 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 and, and you know all the other issues that go along with it. It's frustrating, but I'm I'm hoping that you know we can turn the corner and everybody back there, you know, a vaccine can come out in the near future and life can get back to normal because Canadians are great people and, and, and they deserve to be able to live that way.
12: Yes, we are great people. Uh, speaking of great people, Andrew, now with the preview of Global <laughs> I knew News. I you'd say something 11. like that. Well... <laughs> I'm just telling the truth here.
11: Okay, thanks, Squire. We'll have the latest on that brazen daytime shooting at a Langley hotel and the search for a suspect at 11. Plus, a whistleblower was under fire today at the Cullen Commission looking into illegal gaming in B.C., the former commander of B.C.'s Illegal Gaming Task Force, defending himself against allegations he made about a former B.C. solicitor general. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie.
0: All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Anne. Well, tis the season already. Why some people are getting into the festive spirit now. That's up
4: next.
6: Watch the Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series every Saturday and Sunday in partnership with Fortis BC Energy at Work.
0: Well, you may have noticed some people are getting into the Christmas spirit and spirits a little early this year decorations are already up and radio stations have flipped onto their christmas playlists as katherine urquhart reports many are just looking for a mental health break from covid as the pandemic puts a new spin on the phrase
16: home for the holidays one light after another is carefully strung on a house in abbotsford this year as the world struggles through a global pandemic Some are keen to start celebrating Christmas now.
8: We want to make it more festive when the kids drive by or they just drop in and have a driveway visit.
16: Northern Lights says calls to hang outdoor lights have doubled.
12: Business is very busy this year. We have a lot more people calling this year because of COVID. Uh, They want to brighten up their their season because they can't travel. People are at home. They're isolating.
16: This Christmas will be very different, no question. Rising infection numbers have already prompted warnings from provincial and federal leaders.
2: Each of us must consider our actions. Each of us must think of our behavior. Each of us must pause to consider if our next step will make us sp- sick or spread the virus.
12: How different and how much we're able to do will depend on a few things. What region of the country you're in, uh, what, uh, what uh, people are able to do between now and uh, the holidays.
16: The idea of a quieter holiday at home appears to be fueling business at Potter's Christmas store in Surrey.
17: It's going great. We're extremely busy. Of course, we're being careful how many people come in the store. Mass, of course. Whether we're buying
16: gifts for loved ones or putting up lots of lights, many are reflecting.
8: I think we're very fortunate, despite the pandemic that we're going through. We have a lot to be grateful for.
16: And it's clear we could all use some joy and positivity. Katherine Urquhart, Global News. Santa seems very still in that shop. <laughs> very
12: calm. <laughs> we were taking a still photo of him as well. So it's like,
0: speak still. I didn't know you could pay someone to put up your lights for you.
12: It's a good idea.
0: That is brilliant. <laughs> Christy, have you put up lights or done that anything good yet? idea.
17: I didn't know that. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I probably there should have are. paid someone to do our lights because that's our our uh, ex- poor excuse for some lights. It's artistic but, uh, and yeah, improvisational. Yeah, you know what? We had our... <laughs> Yeah, we had our lights up right after Halloween. I think it's important to have a little cheer right now. And certainly when the weather has been like it is, uh, it started to rain here again, and we are going to see it overnight and through much of the day tomorrow. But Thursday and Friday don't look too bad, everyone. So uh, just a 40% chance of showers on those two days, as opposed to heavy rain and winds. Does it mean we can start opening our advent calendars early
0: and eat the chocolate? Mm. No.
12: (laughs) Stick to the
0: rules. Asking for a friend, my producer. (laughs) Have a good night, everyone.